So today we are beginning uh, the third part of this series, and we're going to uh, close out this series that we've been doing on, on called Waypoint, Navigating Life in Crisis. We're learning how to fix our eyes on Jesus and to find the hope that we need there. And so the last couple of weeks we've, we've talked about Jesus as the better waypoint. Last week we talked about navigating with the Holy Spirit as our navigator. Jesus Christ is the destination. The Spirit knows how to get us to the place in Christ where we need to be. This week we are talking about finding true north. And uh, this in particular is a concept that is really important to me personally. I've always uh, been fascinated with the idea of true north. And navigation has always been something fascinating to me, which is one reason I'm really enjoying this theme. I, I, I really enjoy adventuring. I like getting into the outdoors. I like going to places where I have to have a GPS or a map to find my way. And I enjoy uh, being out on the ocean. And, uh, and, and so when, when you think back into history, there, um, there are certain ways of navigating which have existed for as long as people have been out on the oceans. Now, I, I'm, I'm sure that most of us are aware that um, back in the day, no one had GPS. There, that wasn't a thing. And in fact, there are still places in the world where unless you have a really good, expensive GPS, you can't use a GPS signal. Like, a lot of people's phones won't work without a cellular signal, even, even if you have a GPS built into your phone. So, you know, there, there, there are times when we need something that technology can't give us. We need ways of navigating and getting around where uh, we have to rely on what's naturally available. And so back in the day, of course, a compass was a tool that people would use, and it's a very good tool. But, uh, but, but do you realize that compasses can be wrong? That your compass can actually point you north, but it won't necessarily point you to true north. The reason being that a compass works on the magnetic uh, w the magnetic um, forces of the earth. And there are times when the magnitude in certain areas is actually off. So you may have a, a, a compass pointing you north. You're using that to navigate off of it. It might actually be pointing you just a little bit off north. That would be a problem if you were a sailor out in the middle of the ocean. And let's say you were trying to get to a particular destination and you know the compass is a fairly reliable guide, but it's not a perfectly reliable guide. So what would you want to do? You would want to find a source or a point of navigation which is more reliable that you can check your compass against and make sure your compass is pointing you in the right direction. By the way, that's why navigators are so important on a boat. Because a navigator doesn't only know how to use a compass or a GPS. A navigator knows the sky. A navigator knows the stars and knows the seasons and knows the way that the stars rotate in the sky as the earth spins. A navigator understands how to always find true north based on what he sees. Something that sailors throughout history have done is they've looked for one particular fixed object in the sky that only moves a little bit, and we call it the North Star, right? Um, you've probably heard that term, this, the North Star. Uh, the the uh, scientific name of the star is Polaris. It is a beautifully bright 
star in the sky. Most nights you can see it. And uh, even on nights where, where uh, it's difficult to see other things, you can usually find the North Star. And think about it. Maybe not in the city so much because of all the light pollution, but if you're out in the country or if you're out in the middle of the ocean where there's no light pollution, you can see the North Star. Sailor, a good sailor will use Polaris for navigation because he knows that even though his compass or his GPS may not always function properly for him, the North Star is always true. It's always in the place where it's supposed to be. So where a compass might make for a helpful guide, we really ought to be always checking our compass against the fixed object, the North Star. And like a compass, humans can often be very good guides. In fact, I will tell you that there are a lot of religions in the world besides Christianity that tell you a lot of good things. That's true. Um, there, there is some good advice out there and other philosophies that will tell you some good things. But here's the problem. They're like a compass. Their magnetic field might just be a little bit off and it might knock you off course just enough to where you won't reach the destination. And that's why we have to rely on true north, and our true north is Jesus Christ. This is the primary issue with the human condition. Oftentimes we have, we have sort of the right thing in mind. We have some things that are sort of good, but the problem is we've diverted away from God. And so even just a slight diversion away from God will lead us to a place that will not be good for us. We veered off the path. We're heading towards a cliff. Unless there is a course correction, we're all in a lot of trouble. All it takes is a slight turn. Like in the garden when Adam and Eve were told, if you eat of this fruit, you'll already be like God, or that you'll be like God. Not, now, not to mention the fact that God had already said, I made you in my image. They were already like God. They were already like him, and Satan said, no, you're not quite, so do this, add this to yourself, reach out and take this, and, and then you'll be like God. And what it did is it knocked the course off. Even if it was ever so slight, they still did what God said. God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. They still did all of that, but it was just twisted just enough that it was veering in the wrong direction. Now we've been going in the wrong direction for long enough. We see how broken and messed up this world really is. So I want to, but I want to give you something good, right? I don't want to just give you some sad or dreadful type news. I mean, yes, the human condition has gone in a flawed direction. At first, maybe it looked like it wasn't that big of a deal, but over time it's snowballed, and now we are so far off course, things are incredibly broken, things are messed up. We have a world where something like the coronavirus pandemic is a possibility, where, where, um, where even though many people have died from the coronavirus, can you imagine every year how many people die of cancer, how many people who die of, of just what we call seasonal flu, which seems like not a big deal, but it kills like, like uh, a small percentage of everyone who gets it, smaller than the number of people who die from corona, but because so many people get it, so many die from it. We live in this broken world where all of these plagues are a possibility. It's not because God is out to get us. It's because these are the natural consequences of what has been broken. We live in a broken world. And, and I imagine, you know, if I, a good illustration for me is if I were to drop a priceless vase, no matter how hard I tried, I would never be able to repair it to the state it was in before I broke it. 
What I would need is a new vase, and what we need is a new heart and a new guide point. We need to be set back on path, and the only way that can happen is if we have our eyes set on true north. So here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ is the true north for all of us, and he has not only made a way to return us to the right path, but he has himself become that beacon. He has set himself up, clearly visible for all to see. He shines very brightly. And if we follow him, checking our guides against his word and choosing him over all other navigational points in life, we will always find ourselves on the right track. But it's critical that we be looking to Jesus and not to anything else. Again, even good advice isn't necessarily the best advice. Even good Bible teachers can sometimes tell you wrong. That's why we have to check Everything against the Word of God. So let's take a look at a few things out of this passage. We're going to go ahead and read this. This is out of Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Here's what the Word of God says. Put on then is God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for what your scriptures teach us about what it means to live a good life. What it means to live a righteous life, a pure life in Christ. And this morning, I pray that you would help us to see what we were called to see on that first Palm Sunday, as those palm branches were being laid down at Jesus' feet, as he marched into the city to his death on our behalf. And people cried out, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, even the son of David. As they cried out those things as Christ walked in. Lord, we were were reminded that there's hope in this world. That as bad as things might look, there's hope in the name of Jesus. So this morning, we pray that you would do what only you can do, Holy Spirit, and that you would open our hearts to understand what you're trying to tell us through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the first thing I want us to take a look at is, and really what I'm going to give you are four markers that I think that the scriptures point out to us here. Four markers, and we're talking about navigation, and these, but these four markers are all characteristics of the true north, right? And we're talking spiritual true north, and that's Jesus. Four characteristics that belong to Jesus that also belong to you if you belong to him. And so these are ways you can check to make sure your life is actually tracking in the right direction. If these four things are present in your life, then you can be 
fairly certain that you're headed in the right direction. You're holding true to the character of Jesus. And the first one is that a true north life is marked by love. This is really important. Uh, We see in verses 12 through 14, this clearly laid out for us. And Paul uses this language. It's a language of clothing. But he says the word, he says these words exactly. Put on. Put on these things. And, and these, these, these things that Paul mentions are really descriptors. So what are we, we to put on? He says, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, co- compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. He's, he says, hey, look, this is, this is how you're to be clothed as a person of God. Paul is clearly telling us here what it looks like to live a Christian life. Now, we we have other lists from the Apostle Paul, maybe that are a little more extensive, such as in Galatians chapter 5, when we get the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that, and what Paul was doing in that passage is giving us a picture of what it looks like to be a person who's full of the Holy Spirit. Because if you're full of the Holy Spirit, then you're becoming like Christ. And these things are characteristics of Christ. And so here today, Paul's giving us a, a similar list. It's a little bit more abbreviated. But, the, you know, you can see those same ideas, the fruit of the Spirit, being summarized here. Again, let's, let's, let's look at it again. Compassionate hearts. Kindness. Humility, meekness, and patience. It's about putting off an old identity while putting on a new one. Those, you can't put the new identity in Christ on without putting the old one away. Now the old identity is the person the world has told us that we should be if we are to squeeze the most we possibly can out of life. This morning I ate two cutie oranges. They're fantastic, by the way. But one thing I love about those little oranges is they're incredibly juicy, you know. Uh, I, now, a few years ago, I got into juicing. Anybody, anybody ever got into that? I bought one of those, um, <laughs> I bought one of those Jack LaLanne power juicer things that were, uh, now people are like, who's Jack LaLanne? I didn't even know who he was, but my dad told me he was some famous athletic guy when, when he was a kid or something. But anyway, I just remember he was this older guy on a infomercial talking about the benefits of juicing, and the dude had biceps, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to this, this guy. If you're 80 years old and you can, and you can still flex, and, and it's impressive, I'm listening. And um, so I bought one of those juicers, and I was juicing, and, um, and, and I remember like how great it was, how cool, like my favorite thing about it was when you'd put the fruit in, that thing would extract pretty much all the juice out and all you'd have is some really dry pulp left over. And that was, I thought that was so cool because when I try to juice fruit myself, I have a really hard time getting the most out of it. I always have some juice left in the fruit. And that, that's super obnoxious, right? And, and so the world has these different ways that tells us, hey, here's how you squeeze the most out of life. And most of what the world tells us is always going to leave a little juice in the fruit. What Jesus is teaching us is how to live the way that he called us to live, the way that he created us to live, so that we squeeze everything possible out of our existence. We were created for the glory of God. We were created for something bigger than just us and the the people immediately around us. Can you imagine? You were created to reflect an eternal being with everything that you are. And most people are running around just living for today. I remember the old song by the Grassroots. You know, sha-na-na-na-na-na, live for today, right? Great song. I have the record. I do. I have a record collection. I have 
the actual record. I know. Um, so, but, but it's, it's a great song, but, but, but that's not, like, that's really shallow, isn't it? It's really short-sighted just to live for today. Like, what if you could live for eternity? That's what God's called, that's what God created you to live for, for all of eternity, not just this moment, but the world's like, here's how you squeeze everything out of the moment. Man, God has a much longer and wider view for you. He's like, no, don't just live for the moment. Live for an eternal existence. And you know, if I know I'm going to live for eternity, that might mean that today I deprive myself of a few things that I want so that the things that are best for me long-term pan out. Like, I make better decisions now because I realize I have a longer future. I don't have to just, it's not like I have to burn it up right now. I can extend this out for a long time for the glory of his name. I've often told people I don't have a bucket list. I don't need one because I know I'm not going to miss anything. (laughs) If I die today, so what? What? I haven't missed anything. I have an eternity with Jesus to experience everything that I could possibly experience. And I know that that's better than what I might burn my life on experiencing today. There, there was an old, uh, uh, an old saying amongst beatniks and hippies back in the old days. And that was live fast or live hard, die fast, right? Uh, die young. That's what it was. Live hard, die young. I might have that wrong. Some of you who lived back in the 60s and 70s might, might know better. Um, but, uh, but, of course, a lot of them probably aren't around anymore. But, um, but we, there, there was this mentality, like, you know, just experience all you can. Do the drugs, all these things. Do, you know, have as many partners as you want to. Live the life, man. It's all we have. That's the way a lot of people live. That's not the identity we have in Christ. So, like, if today, if you find yourself all bent up because you're bent out of shape because you feel like you may be missing something because you're stuck at home, or, or you feel like, you know, your life is being sucked out of you, if you're in Christ, that's not true. If you're in Christ, your life is just as rich today as it ever was. You're living for something that's much longer and, and much better. It's like the difference between really good aged wine versus Welch's grape juice. You know, I mean, there's a difference between uh, the really fancy cheese that you go buy at Whole Foods and, and, and craft cheese product. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's a quality. It's the difference between a really good aged steak and chuck that you might buy at Walmart. The quality of the Christian life is so much higher than the quality of the life the world calls us to. But in order to put on the new, better quality life that we were created for, we we have to be putting the old away. You can't have them both. You can't say, well, I'm going to be a Christian and live a Christian life, but I'm going to hold on to a little bit of the junk from the old way as well. It doesn't work like that. You put off the old to put on the new. You've got to put the new clothes on, and it doesn't work as a layer. You have to take the old off. We see the love marker clearly in the life of Christ. The way of the world is to take what you can get when you can get it, right? But the way of Jesus is to give ourselves away like we have nothing to lose. So here's a few characteristics of Jesus that we see. Rather than being indifferent, Jesus is compassionate. Okay, 
Now, remember the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus, Jesus was, was really calling out the religious leaders and just the average people of his day. He says, hey, here's how most of you are. You see somebody hurting and struggling, you just walk right by him. You don't, and now, he was, he was using an extreme circumstance saying, hey, this is you know, somebody who's been beat up and left on the side of the road to die. But it could just as easily be your neighbor who doesn't have food. It could just as easily be uh, somebody right now who's been laid off and just, they just need somebody to love on them, someone to notice them. It could be someone who's terrified of getting sick right now. How can you serve and love people in the midst of this? How, do we, how can we notice people in the midst of a pandemic? Jesus was compassionate. He cared about people. And understand, understand that the opposite of compassion is indifference. It really is. It's just like it's, it's not caring. Rather than being hostile and mean, Jesus is kind. Now, sure, Jesus wasn't afraid to pull out the whip when it was necessary, but understand that in that he was being kind because he was protecting the vulnerable. He was driving out the abuser. Jesus has a spirit of kindness about him rather than of hostility. Now, understand, he's the most kind person who's ever lived because he actually came and took our hostility by the way that we deserve to receive hostility from God, and yet he chose to take our hostility so that he could redeem us. He took what we deserved so that we could be set free. There's never been a greater kindness done in the history of the world. Rather than being self-absorbed, Jesus is humble. Jesus didn't come for his own glory. Time and time again, Jesus said, I did not come so that I could do my will, but that I would do my Father's will. Again, we have the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, who's, who says, I am, even though I'm God, I'm not claiming my authority. I'm submitting. God submits. That's not like what people normally think of when they think of God. And yet, it was God submitting, Jesus submitting to God the Father in humility. And Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 that he was obedient to the Father, even to the point of death on a cross. The fact that God died is scandalous, but it's true. Rather than being proud, Jesus is meek. We, we, we could talk about meekness being power under control. Jesus had greater power than anyone who's ever lived. But he didn't flex his muscles. He didn't show off. He did everything that he did so that he could glorify his Father. And rather than holding grudges, Jesus forgives. We see that characteristic here as well. Now these are all part of being a loving person. Do you realize, again, we, we mentioned this earlier, but every human religion, uh, every human religion, every human philosophy essentially recognizes that this world is broken in some way, shape, or form. Now, we may, not, we may agree on what that brokenness looks like. Uh, we may have some disagreement there, but we all agree that the world is broken, and that's why you've got to have something to fix it. So for a naturalist, maybe it's a scientific method. If we could just test everything, we could figure it out. If we could just understand the world, we'd be better. 
For some people, it's, uh, you know, for, again, for, for naturalists, humanists, you know, people who are into that, maybe it's if we could just get the climate fixed. If we could just, we could just get the world balanced, we'd be good. Uh, in Buddhism and Hinduism, it's, it's, it's if you could just get your consciousness melded with, you know, the great stream of consciousness out there. It's kind of like Star Wars. If we could just be one with the force, you know, we'd be good. In certain versions of Christianity and Islam and Judaism, it's oftentimes about if I could just obey the law. If we would all just obey the law, it would be fine. Now, I say certain versions of Christianity because there are a lot of people who call themselves Christian, but their eyes are not on Jesus. Their eyes are on checking off the list of all the right things to do. We all understand that something is broken, but in all of these other religions and philosophies, it's about human striving in order to get to God or whatever we consider the greater good. Because maybe you don't believe in God, but you still believe in some greater good. There are very few people who are willing to be true atheists and say nothing matters. That's called nihilism. And it's not what, most people don't like that. Nothing matters, just do whatever you want. It's because it's, well, frankly, it's, it's dumb. <laughs> and, and society wouldn't be able to stand. Our problem is that we keep falling short of our own standard, much less God's, Right? No matter how hard science tries, no matter how hard humanism tries, no matter how hard these various religions try, we're, we're always falling short of our own standards. And God's standard is so much higher. But only in Christianity is, does God strive to come to us. And once he got here, he, does, he did everything which was necessary to bring us up to his level in the work of Jesus. He's ultimate love. Because love means not only that we refrain from hurting others, but that we do what is good for them. We need to think about that for a minute. Love means not only hurting other people, but doing what is good for them. You see how our social view of love is so flawed? In our society, oftentimes, it's about, hey, you know, don't do anything that, hurt, that might hurt somebody else. Sometimes inflicting pain is loving when we're trying to help somebody get back on the right path. You know, if I just let my kids run wild, that wouldn't be loving. If I didn't discipline my children and teach them the right way to live, I would be a terrible father. And yet there's a lot of people that think that a loving God would just, should just let us run around and do whatever we want to. No, a loving God is like a loving father. He sees when we're out of line. He says, listen, unless you come back into line... You're headed for destruction. You're going to fall over a cliff. You're going to destroy yourself. And I don't want to see that happen. I love you, God says to us. And so I'm going to show you a better way. So he sends his son, Jesus, and Jesus sets himself up as a beacon. He says, this is what it looks like to be truly human. Follow me. And we choose to follow him or not. But in the end... Our choice will have incredible consequences. But God is trying to get our attention. He is trying to restore us. In God's, econ in God's economy, it is love that binds all things together. And love is about 
acting in a way which brings about another person's good even if it costs you something. Do you see that in the life of Jesus? Love is not just this ooey-gooey, ushy-gushy, you know, oh man, I just, I, I like felt it in my heart. Like I saw that person and I thought, man, she's so pretty, I love her. It's not just about that. It goes deeper. Like I love my wife. I love her. Uh, I think she's beautiful. But there's so much more to my love for my wife. We've been married almost 15 years now. And um, that depth has grown the longer we've been married. And, 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 and I'm noticing, you know, that, that more and more, like, I want her to be happy. I want her to have a good life. And so I'll put off some things that I want for her. God put off an awful lot to bring us to him. Like Christ was crushed in our place. That's ultimate sacrificial love. And the love that God is calling us to is sacrificial. All right, don't worry. The next couple of points are a lot quicker than the first one. The first one's the big one, okay? These other ones are sort of predicated on love. So I wanted to build that for you. Um, The second thing that we're going to look at here in verse 15 is that a a true north life is marked by peace. And Jesus clearly demonstrates this peace for us by showing us what it looks like to live in perfect harmony with God and others. Right? Now, it's not to say that Jesus didn't get upset sometimes, but he wasn't ever rattled to the point where his life was coming apart. Because he knew that he was secure in the Father. He knew his identity was secure in the Father, so he had peace. Even when Jesus was headed to the cross, He knew he was there for a purpose, and the Father had a good plan in mind ultimately, and he knew what he was coming to bring about. And so even though it was a struggle and it was difficult, he did it. And Jesus never wavered, not a single time. Some some would say, well, didn't he say, Father, um, if there was another way? Is there another way? Could, Could I not go through this? Yeah, he prayed that prayer, but he never wavered. He never said, hey, listen, Father, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do this. You're going to have to talk me into this again. No, he knew what the Father called him to do, and he went. He was secure. He had peace with God. And he's called us to live with that same kind of peace. R.C. Sproul had this uh, great thing that he once wrote. He says, in its practice of love, Forgiveness and graciousness, the Christian community, is to be a showcase of the reconciliation and peace Christ has brought between heaven and earth. Our lives are to be a living example of peace as Christ is a living example of peace. And another thing that uh, Augustine of Hippo once wrote, our hearts are restless until they're at rest in God. So for the Christian, we've found a place of rest. Right? We found the place of rest. It's really important. Plus, um, we, we don't fear death or missing out, as we said earlier, because we know we're secure in Christ. When love is what moves us forward rather than self-actualization or trying to you know, make our own lives happy or whatever it is that the American dream paints for us, we show that our hearts are at rest and there's true peace. A third really important thing here is that a true north life is marked by God's word. 
We see Jesus was a man who not only knew the word of God, but also fully embodied the word of God. I'll just read you a quote from Matthew Henry here. He said, many have the word, but it dwells in them poorly. It has no power over them. The soul prospers when we are full of the scriptures and of the grace of Christ. The two together. And, and that's what we're told in verse 16 here. We're told that let, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And there's a few things that we're called to in the midst of that. But, but I want to point out that, that when our minds are full of God's word, we are, we are most often full of the Spirit. When, 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 and, and these have to come together, by the way. They have to come together because there are plenty of people who know God's word but don't actually have the Holy Spirit. So it's got to be both. Our minds have to be full of God's word and we also must be full of the Holy Spirit. When those things are both true, we become like Christ and that we not only know God's word but we embody what it teaches in the flesh. And once again, I could point back to everything I just said about love because that is the character Scripture builds in us when the Spirit is driving the truth into our hearts and driving out the untruth and the falsehoods that we have deep down buried with our human nature. So again, we're called to be like Jesus, knowing the Word so well that we are naturally able to teach and encourage others, just like Paul tells us here, teaching and admonishing one another, that it becomes natural that the Word of God comes out of our mouth and also that it's real in our hearts and in our actions. And also like Jesus, we are to have hearts filled with biblically informed praise. Singing songs, hymns, spiritual songs. And a fourth and final thing here is a true north life is marked by gratitude. Again, Jesus shows us what this life looks like. A life that is lived in worship towards God. This is the sort of life that we were created for from day one. Every word, every action, whatever we do. We are to live as if we are here to bring honor to the name of Jesus. That's what that means, to live the life that, uh, that is marked by gratitude. Uh, I remember when I was a teenager, this became a really big thing, the WWJD bracelet. Anybody remember that? Um, and, and for a while I thought, you know, it's kind of silly. Everybody was wearing them, even people who weren't Christians. But now the, the more I've, the older I get, the more I think, man, what a great idea that was. Sure, it became a fashion trend more than a reality in most people's lives who wore it, but if we actually lived that idea of what would Jesus do, WWJD, if we actually asked that question, what would Jesus do if he were me? How would that change the way we live our lives? See, we, we honor God and give him thanks by living our lives as acts of true spiritual worship towards him. So real quick to close out today, I want to give us four application points because I think and these are four things that you can do right now to apply this truth to your heart. Okay, So if you were asking the question, how can I practice this in the coming week? I'm going to give you four things. Here they are. First one corresponding to love. Be super kind to people who are having a difficult time right now. Be super kind to people who are having a diff difficult time right now. Love them to the point of personal inconvenience. That's being like Jesus. Second, corresponding to peace, don't freak out. You are safe in God, so you have no reason to lose it right now. 
Now, some of you may not be safe in God, and we'd love to have a conversation with you about that. But, but for many who have trusted Jesus, you are safe in God. And people need to see the steady peace of God in and through you right now. People need to see that. It will help them find hope. Third thing corresponding to the Word of God, consistently pray and study the Bible. Use our, let's use our extra time that many of us have at home to pursue God even more maybe than we were before. And fourth, corresponding to gratitude, thank God by being very intentional with your life. Now, these four things are not just for a pandemic. These are for all time. But I think they're especially relevant right now, and they, resp- they correspond back to this scripture. Again, I want to remind you of where we started. Our big idea for today, Jesus Christ is true north for us, and he has not only made a way to return to the right path, but he himself is the beacon. If we follow him, checking our guides against his word, and choosing him over all other navigational points in life, we will always be on the right track. So, have you been tracking your life's direction based on Jesus? What part of your life do you feel like has been a little bit off and might be leading you in the wrong direction away from Christ? God, I think, is calling many of us today to adjust our paths. And I would encourage you to make the adjustments that God is calling you to make and to go with God. Peace is there for you, and you will not regret going with Jesus, following our spiritual true north. Let's pray, and Pastor Dwight's going to come. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, give us the strength to walk in these things that we've just talked about today. And Lord, may we honor Palm Sunday by making, maybe, maybe even rekindling a commitment in our hearts to follow Jesus. And, and for some, maybe even for the first time ever, making a commitment to follow Christ. Lord, draw us into you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the New Covenant Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If God spoke to you or if you'd like us to pray for you, you can email Pastor Nick directly at nick at newcovenantokc.org. If you'd like more information about our church, you may visit us on the web at newcovenantokc.org. We can't wait to hear from you.